Hi, welcome to the Bucks Report podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We're really glad you're here because this podcast is designed just for you, Bucks fans everywhere. Now let's go straight to this episode's Bucks Report host. All right, guys. Uh, I am tonight's host, Rick Hughes, and I am the host of uh, of a couple different shows here. I am a, I'm the host of Live from the Cheap Seats and What's Cooking in the South, and who knows what's around the corner. Uh, I am very, very lucky to have here tonight a uh, a couple of personalities here that you guys are very familiar with here at Bucks Report. Uh, we are going to start off with them. The first two will be the best of the Bay Ray Kennedy and Harry the Greek, and then we are going to follow that up with a very, very interesting interview with Greg Allman of The Athletic. So you guys really want to hang around for that because uh, <laughs> he uh, I'm not going to say he dropped a bombshell, but uh, I'll, I'll say he, threw, he definitely threw a firecracker out right at the end. So you guys want to tune in or make sure you listen all the way to the end because it's a whole lot of fun. All right. So first of all, I want to introduce to you, they're not kidding when they call this man the best of the Bay. He truly is the best of the Bay. Ray Kennedy, the only guy I think who, who around here who I think knows Buccaneer history, maybe better than me, uh, been around from the beginning, and I love talking old school Bucks with him. Uh, Ray Kennedy, how you doing? Brother, I'm good. You know, I hope everybody really appreciates the depth of that statement you made because we do talk Buccaneer football, and you go back, brother. You got those memories, and of course, also the, yeah. the Professor Johnny Dean. So, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, your show, uh, Cup of Ray, is a show that I listened to before I got involved with uh, the Bucks Report. I absolutely just, I mean, I loved the show then. I love it now, and uh, I appreciate you being here with us tonight. Harry, the Greek. Harry is a professional handicapper, gambling expert, aficionado, all-around knowledgeable guy, the guy you go to when you have uh, questions about any of those things. Harry is the guy. He's the go-to. That's the uh, best way to put it. So, Harry, how are you doing tonight? Oh, shucks. You're making me blush. How you doing, Rick? Wonderful. Wonderful. I am ready for a great brand-new adventure here with the, with the uh, Bucks Report podcast. All right. So uh, first thing I want to talk about, Ray, I want to talk to you a little bit about, as I, I mentioned, the history of the Buccaneers. I want to talk about that a little bit, because I think as we look at this last season, the, way, the only way to truly appreciate this last season is to be able to take into account the years, decades of misery <laughs> that Bucks fans have experienced, and, um, and you're the perfect guy for me to talk to about that, because... Um, you understand it. You you know a little bit about the history and where it came from. And how do you think that all rolls into this season? How did the history play into how you feel about this year? Again, yeah, I'm right. Like only a team that started 0-26 and were known as the Yucks and went through all the trials and tribulations, all the missed drafts and the bad pickups, free agencies, the Alvin Harpers over the years. Only in a 2020 COVID-19 pandemic of a world where Tom Brady comes to the Buccaneers, Jason Lights put a championship-caliber team together, and they put the Lombardi in the case over at one buck place. So just the two contrasting uh, you know, ends of the Buccaneers spectrum just make it all the more sweeter to be a Buccaneers fan. 
Yeah, and there, there's, there are a lot of brand new Buccaneer fans, and they don't know that much. Uh, maybe they don't know what it was really like about the history. And I know you have even had the opportunity to speak with an author of a book, I believe, called The Yucks. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. Jason Vick. He's a, Jason Vick's a great writer, was actually from the Tampa Bay area, went to the University of Tampa. He lives in Texas now, but he was here through those years, and his writing style is fantastic. So basically, he encapsulated all the bad moves. Pretty much, it goes right up through and almost to Hardy Nickerson. So Bucks fans that know how much of an impact that made on the franchise know what I'm talking about. But those years in between, he just puts it down on paper, and it just brings back all kinds of memories. Not all the best, but they were still ours. <laughs> and all about the history, even even that the Bucks. M- there was almost another team that came to Tampa. Yeah, I mean, as far as what do you mean when the when the Bucks were going to leave this? You know, when the Buccaneers. Well, where, if I'm correct in the history of it, even before the Buccaneers, there was a team that that, if I'm right, that was the Colts. We were talking about how had had discussed possibly coming to Tampa. Right, and you know, when we know how that story ended up, the Colts packed the trucks up overnight and ended up going to Indianapolis. But there was a, you know, so basically the Tampa JCs back in the day, it was the mid to late '60s, and Tampa Bay was just a peninsula on a peninsula. It didn't we had the University of Tampa, and we had a forty thousand seat, wasn't the big sombrero, it was the half sombrero with the two sidelines, and uh, they start bringing in some uh, exhibition games. And this gentleman, Bill Markham, who was mentioned throughout the entire story, and he, I'm actually going to hopefully have a chance to interview him here real soon, um, just basically started showing the fact they brought these exhibition games, if you, you know, preseason games, and they were selling out the stadiums. And all of a sudden, they started to put Tampa Bay on the map as a potential site. And, of course, with the weather the way it's always been, and you know how the NFL loves those good weather cities for Super Bowls, it was a marriage made in heaven. Well, this whole year, I think, is the, heaven is about the best way to describe this entire season. It's been it's been an adventure. It's been strange. Harry, your feelings, looking at it from a different perspective, looking at it through the eyes of a gambler, what are the odds that a season like this can happen? I mean, before Brady, before all of it, when you consider where a year and a half ago, what are the odds that something like this can happen to a team? You know what? That's a great question. You know, from a from a personal handicapping perspective, you know, before the season started, I had some um, some wagers, and they were called proposition bets. I, I have to, I, I've got to explain that a proposition bet is something that happens in the future, and I had the over the total amount of wins that Tampa was going to have. Now you could bet either over or under, and this particular year at this particular casino their line was a total of nine and a half wins. So it was kind of a nail-biter going all the way down, and, and, and it ended up being a very good wager for me. Well, it, it's crazy to think of. Before the year started, I mean, it, it just a little bit, what, 13 months ago, Jameis Winston was still, is, are they going to re-sign him? Are they not going to re-sign him? I mean, the big news, the big exciting news was maybe the Buccaneers are going to get new uniforms or what are they going to look like? That was the big news. I mean, there was, there was no Tom Brady, Gronkowski. There was no, all of those things that took place and the odds of something like every, the way the season went down going from, you know, when you had Winston to where things ended up, those odds had to be astronomical. They were, you know, they actually were. And I remember there were odds on where Tom Brady was going to go. His odds were supposed to go to San Diego I believe it was Tampa, 
I don't know. Remember if Miami was in it? I know Chicago was part of the equation there as well. Yeah. And I don't think Tampa was the favorite to get that. And I didn't actually put a wager on that. But uh, a little bit about myself, I moved down here as a very young man from Chicago back the year that the Buccaneers actually existed. It was in 1975. It was right when they were talking about the Bucks. you know, they were going to establish a team here in Florida. And I always had allegiances, you know, throughout the NFC North and, you know, with the Buccaneers as well. And, you know, it was just it was just a really great time. It was really hard growing up watching this team and the suffering that it went to. But I always had, you know, my Chicago Bears to lean on because they sucked just as bad, to be honest with you, in the mid-70s. And then, you know, throughout the 80s, it was just – it was just – it, it was it was really good to be able to root for two teams. Yeah, I grew up um, I, I grew up in Orlando, and to say that it was difficult to root for this team then, I mean, it, it was it was brutal because there were a lot of Dolphins fans, and of course the Dolphins were just coming off of the perfect year and the Super Bowls, and they had you know they still had all this hype, and Shula was there, and it was still there was still so much hype around that franchise, and the Buccaneers just losing. And there's uh, my buddy Dave and I going to elementary school, you know, verbally getting our butts kicked regularly, be uh, because we uh, we were there we were wearing our creamsicle in the middle of uh, in the in the middle of Dolphin Country, basically. Hey, Rick, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that though, because you know if it wouldn't have been for the fact that the Buccaneers struggled as bad as I did, I mean, how, there was so many years where. They always tried to start the narrative that Orlando would be a better place, you know, with Disney, you know, the Mouse House and all that would be a better place place for a professional football team. Of course, this is when Hugh Coverhouse was pocketing every bit of the profit (laughs) and not spending it on any players. And and so but the thing was, is that you guys, there was an allegiance to the Dolphins because they were the first team in Florida and in a perfect season. But the fact that the Buccaneers struggled through those years just helped solidify them staying here in Tampa Bay. And I think Buccaneer fans would agree ended up being a great thing. You know what? I got to interject and I got to tell you something. This is actually a funny story. Uh, I actually heard the great legendary Dick Buckus, the old linebacker that played for the Bears. He compared George Hallis and Hugh Culverhouse. Okay, he had them in the same equation. And he said that those two owners were so cheap that they 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 thought that manhole covers you know sewer lids they were nickels he threw them around like they were nickels <laughs> okay and they couldn't go very far and how right it was because i'll tell you what growing up as a buck fan and really becoming a buck fan some of my favorite players were bucks you know they weren't the walter paytons even though i'm a huge walter payton fan i mean i'm telling you jimmy giles and and leroy selman and Doug Williams. I mean, yeah. that's when th- those were some really good players. And Eric Rett. I mean, I could just keep going on and on and on. And, the, and, and these players played on some miserable teams. But to see that passion, <laughs> but to see that passion and the way they brought it every single time, it reminded me what the Bears did with Dick Buckus and Gail Sayers. I mean, I was too young to remember Gail Sayers. I mean, I'm not as old as you, Ray Rick, but I mean, I'm sure you guys remember that. You know, when you move forward with the team, it's funny to me because okay you go forward from the the horror of the 70s and 80s and most of the 90s and you finally get to the team uh that that changed everything you know when when dungy came in and everything changed and there there's the you know the original super bowl championship for the buccaneers and the year that took place and the excitement and the disbelief i think 
is the is the best way to describe it. I still am yet have yet even right now sitting here. Can, I can't tell you that I fully enjoyed a Super Bowl victory at the time uh, because both times I sat there in disbelief watching the screen, just like, <laughs> you know, trying to process what I was watching and not really being able to cheer fully because I still was like, no, this can't. No, something's about to happen. No, this can't be. This this just can't. And I think that's the... That's the trauma the Buccaneers fans have gone through around here at, at uh, the Bucks Report. We call it uh, Bucks Traumatic Stress Disorder, and it's—I mean—that's that's pretty much the truth. It's—it's it's still even when you're watching, you know, there's two minutes left in the game, you're up thirty-one to nine, and you're thinking something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. I mean, well, that's normal, Rick. I mean, a lot of people are always going to think that way. I mean, did you ever really think that the Kansas City Chiefs were going to be out in that game? I mean. Not until that fourth quarter. Right. Actually, seeing it a little bit before then. I mean, you guys are the most. I mean, you're you're the biggest fans on this show. I mean, I, I'm a person that loves to handicap different sports, and I can only handicap what I'm physically watching on TV. But man, when that third quarter came around, I was like, this game is over. They are just beating the brakes off this team. Patrick Mahomes <laughs> kept running backwards every other oh, play. Yes. Ray, you and I were sitting, looking at that. It was just yes. like in total amazement. I'll remember. Literally, if 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 they show a replay right now on TV, I could actually remember where I was sitting, what I was doing, and what I was thinking. It is it's just that cool, and I can only imagine how that makes you feel. Right? I, no, I still expect them to lose, even when I watch the replay. I mean, <laughs> still, I'm, I'm the one who's just going. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. It's, you know, I mean. It, it, it's hard because, I mean, with the history where a lot of people, especially with so many new Buccaneers fans, they don't understand that Hugh Culverhouse left the Bucks at the altar, basically said, hey, you know, we're going to, you know, I'm going to be the next Buccaneers head coach. And then, I mean, I believe, I mean, they'd agreed to terms. They had set the press conference. And the day of the press conference, he said, yeah, never mind. Twice. Yeah. <laughs> he did it. Twice. Well, well okay. Rick, you know, you mentioned and you talk about, I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the narratives the entire postseason and as the Bucks were really making a run at 55 was we saw so many social media posts and everybody was talking about, you know, Ben a Bucks fan, since Ben a Bucks fan, and, and, you, and you use the term bandwagoners, but everybody's a Bucks fan this year and it was because of the incredible things they did on the field, the incredible symmetry with Tom Brady at quarterback. But just going back, you know, go back to not 2003. Rich McKay was the general manager. Now, Rich McKay started out as a 16-year-old bull ball boy when his father, John McKay, was the Bucks OG head coach. Here's the guy who's gone to Stetson Law School, gets his degree, ends up becoming general manager, and puts together a championship team that Tony Dungy does come in and continues to build. But then within 12 months after Super Bowl victory, John Gruden had Rich McKay out of here on rails and started to let the team dissipate. And that's why this time around, the difference for me is, is that everyone's in the building, everyone's on the same page, and it just gives us continued optimism moving forward. Yeah, I mean, that that is the difference. And I'm glad you brought that up, Ray, because to me, that is absolutely a difference. If you recall that year uh, after the Super Bowl, uh, after they beat the Raiders, four weeks left, all they had to do was win one game, and they were in the playoffs. And the wheels completely came off the wagon. Yes. Monty Kiffin left. I mean, I was leaving everything just everything disintegrated. And that I think tells the story to me that tells the the story of John Gruden because they never went to the playoffs again. 
I yeah, mean, after winning that Super Bowl, they didn't go back. And everybody looks at Gruden as though he's this great head coach. But his history with the Buccaneers was a Super Bowl followed really by six years of disappointment. Yeah, and don't forget, Rich McKay ends up being hired instantly after he's ran out of Tampa Bay by the Atlanta Falcons. And yeah. that, that same year, the last game of the year was against the Falcons, and Rich McKay came back and was sitting up in the Falcons' owner's box or the you know the place where the team's owners sit. And it was just such a surreal moment. Yeah. And, and, uh, and you know, and Rich McKay's still the president of him now. We loved him because he was on a rules committee, and he's always he has, had his finger in the pie. And it felt like for the Buccaneers, after being shunned for so many years with a terrible ownership, we had a seat at the table, and we've had a seat at the table ever since. But, man, lately that seat's gotten a lot more comfortable. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> what a year. I mean, go go ahead, Harry. You know what's really ironic when you're bringing up that that, that previous team. It's You know what? I still really, really loved what that team did in the Super Bowl, and I'm really twisted on which team, in my opinion, was better. But I, I don't want to actually talk about which one was better. I want to talk about which management is better. I w- I've been super critical of Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles. You guys have all heard me on the other shows. I've never been a big advocate for him, but I want to talk about Jason Light. What he has done, and I'm in my early 50s, okay, mid-50s, I've never seen done yeah. as long as I've been watching football. Yeah, I don't. I, I, don't okay? I, I agree. This is the first time. In modern era times, and I'm talking in 40 plus years, that I have ever seen a team not only win a Super Bowl, I've seen teams come close and re-sign every, almost every key position, but not every single position. Mm-hmm. This team is not only, not only did they maintain, but they're trying to make another run. It, and it's not like they're trying to break up. People are being very you – know, it's a very cohesive unit. It's yeah. not like what's going on right now in Kansas City. And, and I really hope that this message gets out to people. The Kansas City Chiefs right now are the favorite to win the Super Bowl. And they got the break speed off of them by the Buccaneers. Harry, the what are the odds right now for the Buccaneers to return? To, just to make it to the Super Bowl. Okay, let's start in the, in the beginning. In the, in the division – they're only minus 140. What that means, if you want to win $100, you have to wager 140. So you get your 140 back that you wagered your investment, and you can win your 100. If you have them going to the Super Bowl, just merely beating the NFC, just getting to the Super Bowl, you're getting four to one on your money. If they're going to win the Super Bowl, you'll get nine to one on your money but the, point I was, but, but the point i'm trying to make is this it's almost a sucker bet for kansas city because tampa was able to restructure so many different deals to be able to keep this team together kansas city has had to let go quite a few players because of one selfish player and his name is tyreek hill arguably one of the most dynamic players in all of football i don't care how dynamic you are not one player is can can beat a team and if it does it doesn't happen for a long haul and because he didn't restructure his contract they have lost a good amount of real skill position players and very key players for this team well not only this that, team Harry, is in trouble well not only that but it instantly starts tearing apart of the fabric of the cohesion of the team within a locker yep. room and that's something again that you look at the buccaneers and you're just like man the stars are still aligned that's why i think jason light should be general manager and not of the year of the decade 
a letter probably the century. I've never seen this happen. Never. Well, um, now, you know, this to me is an amazing thing because, yeah, you know, if you recall, before the year started, remember Baby Goat? Remember he's going to win as many championships as Brady? He's going to, I mean, you remember all of that talk? And now it's like, you know, can the Chiefs make it back? Can they come back? Can they, you know, and and like you said, they're still they're still favored. But to me, I find that it, it's <laughs> they better hope the Bucks don't go because they do have to score touchdowns. And I mean, it's it's I, I don't even mean that sarcastically. I mean it literally. And what's amazing to me, and this leads into the next part of what I want to talk about, is not only did all of the starters from Week One return. There's a draft that's about to happen. Tell me okay, so this team's about to add, possibly, assuming they don't trade trade out of the draft or whatever. And they, this team is about to add six or seven, at least, players to be at least competing for positions and depth. And so they're <laughs> they're going to be better. They have time that's that's going to make them better. They have OJ Howard returning which will make them better. And now they're going to add more talent. I mean, this is it. I can't recall a team that I just look at and scratch my head and go, yeah, I don't know how anybody's going to beat them. And I, and, and it's my team. So it's hard for me to think, you know, I mean, I, what, what goes through my head is, am I, am I seeing this correctly? I mean, is it really that skewed? Yeah, Are they that good? I mean, well, you see it with you see it with the Lightning and and what they do, and they're yeah. able to keep their team together. But you know, another thing, and you guys know I like symmetry, and anyone out there who's listening will caught my show on Sunday mornings, the 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 sojourn for the sports savvy soul. I like to always tie it in with parallelism, or I like to tie it back to something. And you know, Jason Light, you made the point, Harry, about how great of a general manager he is, and people forget, may not know this, he was a scout, college yep. scout with the New England Patriots, and he was in the room when they drafted Tom Brady in the sixth round, 199th overall, <laughs> 21 years ago. I did know? not know that. Yeah, I did not I, know that. Yeah. And you know what, Jason Light, it, it could be two different things. You can call him an idiot for not drafting him sooner then, okay? I mean, well, let's just be frank. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's not something that Jason Light really wants to be known for. You know, and, and I'm not trying to sound, you know, you know, petty when I say this, but it's it's never been done, guys. This I have tried to look, and I've tried to search high and low. The great Frisco teams, the great Dallas teams, even the Patriot teams. Yeah, they've never done this. No, never. And that's the point that I'm trying to make. And as far as gambling is concerned, I have a pretty substantial position because I have a feeling these lines are going to go down and they're not going to be as valuable, almost to the point to where you just can't really bet them. There's only two things that are going to blow that bet. You know what they are? What injuries. And injuries. That's the only thing that'll stop the Buccaneers from doing what they did this past year. That's it. Injuries and injuries. That's it. They can only beat themselves in injuries. There's no other reason why they can't. This team has that cohesion. Are they They going to have that culture? Ray, do you think they're going to trade out of the first round? What do you think they're going to do? I think that, like we were talking about the other night, I think that there's going to be 10 or maybe 8 to 12 teams that are going to be right there in the second round and are going to see a player on the board that they desperately need. And I'm not saying the Buccaneers don't have desperate need, but they could use, you know, to build and continue to develop. But I think there may be a team there that says we can jump up to the Bucks. We know they're stacked. But, you know, I wanted to work it back to what you said, Harry and Rick, we were talking about the Bucks, And 
you know, everything going the way it is and everything, you know, the entire story, the NFL narrative next year, on the one side, they're going to be kissing the rings, Tom Brady's rings. But on the other side, they're going to be looking for a chink in the armor at every turn. But we see the makeup of this team and we see the makeup from the coaching staff to the front office down to the players and even the ball boys and girls. And I just don't see this team falling for that. But it is going to be a marathon, not a sprint. Well, you know, one of the things that I that that I think is funny is we were just talking about the book by uh, uh, by Jason. I, you you pronounced his last name. I'm not. Even, yeah, yes. thank you. Um, called the Yucks, and it's funny because coming up is Greg Allman, who just wrote a book called Champa Bay. So it's kind of funny. Yes, the bookends of this story. And how I mean it, to go from the Yucks to Champa Bay, and to to there's such a weird um, there's a, it's almost like the way I keep I keep viewing it in my head is almost it's like a karma debt is being repaid, and it's <laughs> and it's like decades of of bad things that happened, and now it's like all the fans and all the pain and all the everything we're getting paid back in spades. I mean the back to back possibility. It's been 17 years. And I mean, how does that happen with where now you're, you're looking forward and it's fun to look at next year instead of let's hope like, you know, like we've yes. done, we've gotten so, so used to doing, gosh, let's hope about next year. Now it's like, holy cow, man, this is going to be a great year. And I mean, I'm excited about the draft. I'm excited about what's, what the possibilities are. Are they going to trade out of the first round? I mean, it's crazy to think that, the, I mean, I'm sitting here looking at the team, wonder, and, and, and how about this, by the way, Ray, remember the shows last year talking about the pandemic, and do you remember all of the, the negative forecasting about how there's no way they're going to make it through the season, yeah. there's no way the season's going to start on time? If it does get started, you know that the, it's it's pretty much guaranteed that there's at least going to be a stoppage, and there were so, I mean, there were so many negative Peter, predictions. Peter King, Peter King NFL.com, every prognosticator out there were. I mean, some of the brightest outlooks were there's a seventy percent chance that the season will be ended. And they get all 256 games in, guys, and it's just a testament to the, the safety protocols they put in place, and then the rest of society learned from them as well, and now we're getting to a better place. But, yeah, no, without a doubt, it was just crazy. Well, talk about that better place. Talk about what the NFL is saying is, is about to take place this year. Well, we're going to have fans in Cleveland. They're going to let fans come in for the draft. They're going to keep it you know, socially distanced and still maintain protocols. But – I mean, the, the, the Hall of Fame game was the first thing I heard two months ago when they were saying yeah. that they fully expect to have a sold-out stadium. Brian Glazer, yeah. yeah. Brian Glazer just came out and said they're expecting it full stadiums all year long. They're expecting that just everything back to normal. That they, I mean, it, you, you, wow. <laughs> what's the odds on that, Harry? <laughs> I don't know if they're going to actually be able to do that because, and I don't know this to be true, and I've only heard this, but I don't think the National Football League is going to mandate it that they have to get vaccinated, meaning the players and or the fans to be able to come in. No, I don't think that they're going to force that. I don't think they're going to force people to be vaccinated, but 
what they're basically saying is if you don't get vaccinated, come at your own risk. And I think that's what they're, I think that's what's sort of, I think that's what's going down is I think they're they're probably saying that. Now, they may say face masks still, at least at the beginning of the year. I don't know. Um, I have no idea. But just to hear that the plan is everything is full go. Everything is full go. You know what? They have time on their side. And, and you're looking yeah. to, and we're looking to achieve herd immunity. Some predictions say July or August or some predictions say, you know, later in the year. But, you know, guys, I'll tell you what, Harry and Rick, you tell me what you think. I am trying to not trying to put anyone down, but I especially well, it never gets cold here in Florida. But I, I may start wearing a mask when I'm walking around in the game. It's not that I'm trying to be rude to anyone else. I'm just kind of digging, not getting colds and flus and stuff from everything else you can get from people out there. Not to be a germ freak, but I mean, the masks are in style. There's some dope Buccaneer masks. <laughs> I'm the opposite. I am the opposite. I'm the guy who like I, I'm I'm the I don't want to protect myself from all germs and all that stuff. I figure we're better off just let, let's <laughs> build up our immune system and deal with it that way. But I mean, both ways make sense. So listen here. I mean, but the, I don't want to get in the weeds on that. The, well, the, as, ever, as everybody knows, I have that fashionable scarf, you know, that yeah. goes around my neck. <laughs> Every time you see my show, they're like, why does he have a halo around his yeah. Harry, Harry, <laughs> hey, Rick, if you'll allow me, quick story. It was Walgreens. It was last uh, March. Maybe it was the 1st of April. And you were the first person, Harry. I, I, I ran into you at Walgreens that day. You were stopping on the way home from work. I was stopping on the way back to work. And you had a mask on. And that was the first time I think it really hit me that it was going to be this serious. And I respected yep. you for that. And, uh, you know, you got me going. But, yeah, no, I'm just I'm just kidding around about the mask stuff. But, you know, I'll probably have my usual Buccaneer attire on, like the helmet, <laughs> crazy stuff like that. But Well, I'm know. here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I can tell you this. I can tell you that before the season ended, I did not see one Buccaneers fan anywhere. Wow. And since then, I'm seeing Bucks gear. And, you know, I, I've got some coworkers and everything who jump in and immediately say, you know, they immediately say, yeah, bandwagon fans. Pfft, who cares? They're fans. I mean, come one, yeah, come all, baby. exactly. <laughs> exactly. If you're a new fan, welcome. Absolutely. You're not in a place where you're going to get mocked. You're in a place where you are welcome. And, Rick, and uh, if I can drop one more thing real quick, my friend, mm -hmm. don't forget Bucks fans. The Buccaneers have the very last pick of the 2021 draft, which we all know is referred to as Mr. Irrelevant. Mr. Irrelevant. Mr. That's, Irrelevant. That, 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 that's referring to me now. <laughs> well, and the beautiful part is that we've literally have we have the most successful Mr. Irrelevant in the history of the NFL and Mr. Ryan Suckup. Who is the kicker for the Bucks? And you guys know I was going to tie it back to him. So don't even that last pick of that draft, that Mister Irrelevant pick. You guys just never know. Yeah, we're going to have him get it. Everybody roots for that guy. It's kind of fun. And you know, I, I do want to say this because it's uh, it's time for me to move on to to our next guest. But I do want to say this, Ray. Uh, looking at the if, if well to all the fans, go to BucksReportGear.shop, BucksReportGear.shop, and you will see some. Great, great merchandise, and I think Ray has some of. It's just phenomenal. It, it came really out really is. nice. That came mug, out yeah. Nice. yeah. First off, that mug that Ray has. That yeah. Logo, I'm getting one. I'm, I'm gonna get a case. I'm gonna get a case of them. Yeah. For that nice. I'm not kidding you. And no, yeah. Ray, you're not stealing my cup. Even though you live <laughs> and it's perfect for Ray's show, Cup of Ray, which I mean that on Sunday mornings, and it, it's phenomenal. So you can actually literally get a cup of Ray. 
Um, yeah. And, uh, there's a, a bandana. If you've ever seen Ray, he's, you know, sleeveless with a bandana. Now he's got a sleeveless shirt and bandana. Oh, whoa, whoa. So. sun's out, gun's out. There's a top yeah. in there? Yes. Yeah, I <laughs> and, saw And I he's saw going it. to have a dog bowl because whenever you see, with his logo on it, because whenever you see Ray, he's got his dog with him. I mean, oh. it's 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 perfect. So no, I thought that was for Wednesday nights when I'm when I'm on with Mr. Harry the Greek on the over under, <laughs> so he'd have something to drink out of. Yeah, yeah and part. there's over under gear that 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 sounds over under gear that sounds like uh, like we're talking about like boxer briefs or things, but gear for the over under show um, is going to be uh, popping up on the uh, on Bucks Report Gear Shop any moment, guys. I want to thank you both. For being here Wednesday night, the over/under with Harry the Greek, uh, and that is at eight thirty or nine. It's it's either eight thirty or nine. It just <laughs> depends on w- what time the planets and stars line up. There you we go. What just to be safe, nine o'clock on Wednesdays. Okay, it's the yes. over and under with Harry the Greek. Perfect, and uh, and cup of Ray is Sunday mornings at what time? Uh, 9 a.m. and it's, a, it's a, like I said, it's a it's a sojourn for the sports savvy soul. Come on and listen, and we'll talk a little bit. Holy cow, that's a beautiful way to say that. There you go, brothers. Hey, thanks for having me, Rick. You're awesome, guys. All right, welcome to the podcast. We have Greg Amen. Greg is a staff writer for the Athletic, uh, covering the Buccaneers, and he's a writer, and he's the man you basically when you get breaking news from. It's usually him. Uh, with the Buccaneers, he is uh, he he's he's sort of a, I, I the best way I can describe it is the guy I look to for information. Greg, thank you for joining the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Hope you're doing well. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, before we get started, I want to talk to you about your book. You have a book, uh, Champa Bay. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that book? I'm excited to read it. I've not had a chance to read it yet, but it's it's being ordered today. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's a first for me. I'd never written a book before. Um, had a chance as the postseason was kind of coming together for the Bucks to, to co-write a book uh, with a friend of mine named Joey Johnston, who's been a writer here in Tampa for a long time. Uh, crazy. It is wild to have a book with your name on it uh, here in Tampa. They're, they're all over in bookstores and gas stations and, and everywhere else. Uh, so, no, it's neat. It was one of those where this would have been a, you know, the kind of season you want to write a book about. And it just so <laughs> happened that uh, the right people got in touch with me at the right time and, and squeezed it in and and was out like a week after the season ended. So it's, it's really neat. Yeah. You still see people on Twitter uh, posting photos of getting it all over the world, guys in Europe, uh, all over the country. So it's really been neat. And uh, I'll always have that. Now I can say with a straight face that I'm an author, which is cool to say. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it, it, if there's ever been a season that I want to read about, it's this yeah. one. And the Bucks have had so many seasons. I don't want to read about. I just want to forget. And this is one to remember. So you wrote it. it it's the perfect perfect story to tell because what a story it was last year and for you to kind of be in the mix of all of it had to be exciting oh yeah, it was amazing and it came together it's one of those where uh, the way these publishers do it is is that these publishing houses they, they basically want to have a book ready immediately as soon as there's a championship one so they they set in motion two different books and they were working with somebody on the chief side and most of the book is actually is actually written kind of the week before the super bowl where all you're adding uh, literally the night of the game is a story or two and uh, it's kind of like one book uh, gets what they call a kill fee and, and dies in the vine right there. <laughs> and the other book, fortunately for me, was uh, was about the Bucks championship season. The, yeah, the other the other book goes to you know uh, like with the t shirts. The, 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 they yeah. I don't think they print them, so it's just, uh, <laughs> it's just somebody's un, unfinished manuscript, I guess. 
Yeah, well, I, now this season, looking forward into this season, it's also, I mean, it's setting up, I mean, you may be writing another book. I mean, it, it's kind right. of exciting to look forward and see what's happening. I mean, all 22 of the week one starters have resigned. The one guy hanging out there is AB. Are, are you hearing anything about uh, about AB and, you know, what's blowing in the wind? Yeah, it's it's been three weeks now, and it's kind of like they've been able to make um, so much you know, so many moves to keep everybody else coming back. Um, and most of them, in fairness, have been very close to what they made uh, this past season. I, I think Sue got a little bit of a bump, but most everybody else is pretty much close to where they were before. Um, and Antonio Brown, you have to think, given the fact that he hasn't signed, even though both sides have kind of expressed an interest in coming back, um, you have to think there's some kind of divide there in terms of the money that uh, maybe Brown thinks that he's closer to getting what he used to get. And, and it might be that the, the Bucks kind of like him at, at closer to the rate that he got. I mean, he was a bargain last year. They got him thinking he made more money off bonuses than he did off salary last year. It came in uh, under a million dollars for a half season and then wound up getting, uh, you know, almost as much just for winning the Super Bowl. Uh, but again, the Bucks, the Bucks are in a really good position from a leverage standpoint. They, they've got great depth at receiver. Um, I think they know if they didn't re-sign AB, there'd be other veteran options out there for them. So both sides are kind of holding firm right now. Um, and it's one of those where, you know, I think a lot of the marginal free agents that are still out there, I say marginal, just guys that aren't high dollar people. Um, they, they, you get to a point now where you're almost better waiting until after the draft, because the last thing you want to do is is sign into what looks to be a good situation. And then that team, you know, uses a high draft pick at your position and your role is a lot smaller than you thought it would be. Well, it's sort of this is a horrible year to be a free agent when it comes down to yeah. it I mean, with the lower salary cap and everything. I mean, maybe he sort of <laughs> he throws the the rule book out when it comes to what's a number one, what's a number two and what's a number three. I mean, right. how do you how, how do you with this team of receivers? How do you even how do you even approach that? Yeah, well, that's one of those where, again, he's a three here in Tampa, really. I mean, obviously, they're, they're committing like thirty one million dollars to their top two receivers. So that doesn't even give you a lot of room to pay a number three well. But he's Antonio Browns. So, I mean, if you want to be, he'd be a two, if not a one for some teams. Um, the, the problem is, is that he still has a certain question marks in terms of, of his off-field troubles that have scuttled a lot of the previous situations. For him, I think he can point to how he did and said everything the right way in Tampa, um, behaved, wasn't any kind of disruption, caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl. So it's just a matter of right now, I have to think there isn't too much of a market for him outside Tampa for him to be kind of publicly asking the Bucks to re-sign him uh, on social media and such. I, I think he wants to be back. I just, I don't think they're on the same page with money right now, probably. Right. Now, now you've got this team that's coming back for the most part intact. And on top of it now, <laughs> there's a draft coming. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's going to, I mean, this team is going to get even more depth, even more, I mean, yeah, even more, uh, it's going to be more solid than last year, and it's not going to be, gee, maybe they could get to a Super Bowl now. It's sort of the expectation. When it comes to the draft, is there? do you think there's much of a chance of anybody starting that gets drafted by this team? It'd be impressive if they could get a rookie that could crack this starting lineup. I mean, it's not that all 22 are ironclad starters by any means, um, but last year, when you think about last year when Worfs came in, there wasn't really I mean, a starter to replace there, so that made it easy for him. And then, you know, I think with Winfield, I mean, he kind of stepped in for Mike Edwards, but it wasn't really a solid position there. So everybody else right now is a Super Bowl starter for the most part. So um, <laughs> that gives you the luxury of, of not having to draft someone who needs to be ready to come in and play at a high level in week one. You can ease somebody in, whether it's a rotational pass rusher or a D lineman or a third running back or, 
you know, any of these positions where they're looking for depth, you can kind of make a, a long-term pick, if you will. Um, yeah. It'd be impressive if somebody they got could crack this lineup just because they won a Super Bowl with this lineup. <laughs> well, uh, Jason Light, I mean, I, you've got to be impressed with, with where we've ended up. But as you look at it, to me, he's a wild card when it comes to the draft. He could trade up. He yeah. could trade down. He could, you know, pick, you know, stay put and firm there at 32 and pick someone. Do you uh, do you have any feelings, guts? Are you hearing anything that, that maybe they may go one direction or another? Yeah, I mean, you can make a case for a lot of different directions. I mean, 32 is a great place to be in that it's – I think everyone realizes it's the last pick of the day. So when you're on the clock at 32, the whole league – has a chance to say, wait, I mean, there's this guy still there at 32. Wow. So there's that temptation for someone in the second round to trade up. Um, sometimes you'll see teams trade a future number one pick to get in at 32. You get the fifth round, fifth year option with that. Um, you know, it's funny because if you're the Bucks right now, you've returned so much from a Super Bowl champ. So if I'm the Bucks and I'm looking at my draft right now, they have eight draft picks. And I don't think that eight drafted rookies are going to make this team right, right. now. So if you know that going in, it's kind of like it almost makes sense for you to try to consolidate those. Um, if, if if you can have six better rookies instead of eight, you know, in one sense, eight gives you, I always think of it as kind of eight, you know, three-point shots. You're more likely to hit them the more shots you take. But for me, if they can consolidate those into six picks, if you can take a, a fourth-round pick and move up four spots in the first round to make sure you get the guy you want, that, that might be a good use of those assets. If you can take, you know, your sixth-round pick and move up ten picks in the third round, um, that might be better for you long term. I mean, you think about this past year. I mean, this past year, beyond Winfield and and Worfs, there wasn't a whole lot of contributions from that rookie class. Tyler Johnson did a little bit. Keyshawn Vaughn did a little bit. But I mean, you know, Ray Calais played for the Rams, and Chappelle Russell's with the Jaguars now. And it, you get to a point where you're cultivating a draft pick just to have him wind up playing for somebody else. What about trading into future drafts? Since you have such, I mean, you've got veterans that that are that have been around for quite a while. You're going to need players in the future. Is that something that, uh, that yeah, you think makes somebody sense? Brought, somebody brought that up on Twitter uh, yesterday, the day before. And, and I get that from the standpoint that so much of what you've done in this offseason has been with 21 in mind and has been very now focused. Um, if you can add picks in 22 and 23, that gives you something that helps the franchise down the road. But I do think there's an awareness and an urgency that, hey, this is a team that won a Super Bowl. So everything you can do to shore that up, to create depth and guard against injury like they did so well last year is kind of money and assets well spent. So I think anything that would be at the expense of this team, I tend to think they're going to shy away from. I think any move, if they can get a pick for next year, that's great. But I think there's a, a very obvious now right in front of them that says if they can come out and win back-to-back championships, this is now a historic team. You know, no, no one's repeated right. in the NFL in 17 years. So I think that makes that the priority for any move you make. Yeah, now you have I mean, you have Fournette and you have Ronald Jones, and there was a little back and forth as far as who was starting. There's scuttlebutt that Fournette wanted to be the bell cow. Uh, what, what kind of a position does this put Ronald Jones in? Yeah, um, both Fournette and Jones are both free agents after this year, so it's a great competition. It's it's not only a who's the starter, who's the primary back this fall. But it's almost who's more likely to get kept, who's more likely to get the big contract. Because only one of those is probably going to be seen as a starter caliber back at the end of this season. And this was an odd year. And then you had Jones as the primary guy, almost a thousand yard rusher. And then because of the way things kind of slipped away from him with injury and COVID and everything else, it opened that window. And Fournette took such good advantage of that to have the postseason that he had. And yet when he gets to the open market, like you said, it, it, it it's the wrong time to be a free agent because – 
you had the limitations of a reduced salary cap. And, you know, even the, I mean, except for maybe Aaron Jones and Green Bay, there really weren't any running backs that got paid well this offseason. Um, and I think he saw that. And given kind of murky options elsewhere, if he can get uh, a modest raise and get whatever it was, 325 from the Bucks, uh, at least you know your circumstances there. You know what you're competing with. You know who you're coaching or who you're getting coached by. I think there's a value in that. And he kind of just, for a lot of free agents, it, it makes sense just to reset and give you a chance, give yourself a chance to make a lot more money uh, a year from now when there's money to be spent. Yeah. And, you know, looking forward, uh, every year we hear about two things. You hear, are they going to trade Cam Bright? That's This goes on, I, I think, since he, I don't know, for I don't know how long. And then you also hear, are they going to draft another quarterback to, to begin to develop? Yeah. Are, you, are there any, is there anything out there about that? I still wonder, I would be very impressed if they can make it to week one without having to cut anyone from this roster, without having literally to decide that anybody isn't worth their salary. Um, And they've done that by, again, restructuring a lot of contracts, financing a lot of of deals that push the money into future years. Um, I don't think they can get to week one on the cap space they have right now. They they barely have enough to kind of sign their draft picks, maybe a couple budget signings. Um, I think they're going to want to make some moves eventually here. So I'm still curious. It's like as, as much as you can say right now, well, Cam Braid's still here. Maybe he does stick around. Maybe they like the idea of having three tight ends and having the best depth in the league at a position where Tom Brady's really played well. Um, who knows if Gronkowski gets hurt, if OJ gets hurt again, then you have insulation against that with a great tight end like Cam Braid. Uh, but until, until they kind of get through everything, solving their cap issues without making a cut, I'm still wondering what's coming. I'm still nervous about them having to make a cut. Not because they want to, just because at some point you have to decide where your inefficiency is financially and, and where you can benefit from spending money elsewhere. Yeah, and what about a quarterback? Any, uh, are you, are, yeah. Do you think they're going to draft? Like, uh, Peter Schrager with NFL Network just put out a mock draft, and he had the Bucks taking uh, the Stanford quarterback at 32, which would be wild if they did. And it's one of those where it, it's – very divisive among Bucks fans um, in terms of whether you should or shouldn't. There's definitely some that are hard line. Uh, the Bucks should draft Tom Brady's successor, have him, you know, at least a year to learn from Brady, to soak in all of his habits, how he learns, how he sees the game. And I totally get that. Um, there's not a ton of history with him cultivating great backups in New England. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is probably the best example. And even he probably isn't worth the contract he's playing on right now. But I, I still think... Um, I, I totally get that. I don't think a rookie quarterback would help this team this year. So I still tend to think of all of their motivations on what they can do to give them the best chance to win a championship again this fall. And I don't know. It's like I think about Green Bay. And obviously Green Bay did that last year and that they went and they traded up and they got Jordan Love in the first round. And now they have that guy who whenever things get so uncomfortable that Aaron Rodgers is done in Green Bay – They have a successor in place. They have a potential starting quarterback there. But you go back to the NFC Championship game, and if instead of a backup quarterback who didn't play all year, if they had a contributing player they had used their first-round draft pick on, you wonder if that might have been something that gets them over the hump, and they're the team that's celebrating a Super Bowl right now and and not the Buccaneers. Right. Do you think, think, though, it'll be Blaine Gabbert that's – well, no, you know, it's funny. Just in the last, you know, couple days here with what's happened with uh, Sam Darnold going to Carolina, I, I think for the longest time it seemed like Gabbard made sense just because there weren't a lot of obvious upgrades available in free agency. The, the guys that were out there are, are Colt McCoys and uh, and guys like Blake Bortles and stuff like that. Nobody that really say, wow, he's substantially better than Blaine Gabbard. 
But now with Darnold going to Carolina, they kind of were in a position where it'd be odd if they kept Teddy Bridgewater. He, he's due to make $17 million, which is a lot to pay someone who's not your starting quarterback. Um, he's due to get $10 million guaranteed. But I think it's in Carolina's benefit to even eat some of that $10 million if it facilitates getting him off the books, being able to trade him somewhere else and, and move on as a starting quarterback and paying number one quarterbacks go. So um, Bridgewater is a guy the Bucks have always had a lot of praise for and knows this division well. Uh, would be good value if you think of him as somebody who, if Carolina pays any portion of a $10 million salary, would be uh, in a restructured deal, a potentially really good value for the Bucks and someone that would be an upgrade for if Tom Brady were to get hurt in season, somebody who could step in, as he showed two years ago with the Saints, going 5-0 and when Breeze got hurt, uh, could do a very good job with that. Well, Greg, I very much appreciate your time. This has been fantastic. Uh, it's it's an honor to have you on here, and I feel like uh, I feel like this podcast just got a lot smarter. Thank you oh, so no. much for 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 taking some time with us. No, thanks for having me. We'll do it again soon. Is there anywhere you want people to follow you on Twitter, or anything like that? Yeah, I mean everything I write is at the Athletic, and you can find that at theathletic.com. dot uh, Lots of great content, not just for me, but from uh, hundreds of writers we have there. People on every NFL team. Um, and I'm on Twitter at my name, just Greg Allman, G-R-E-G-A-U-M-A-N. And the book, like you mentioned earlier, you can get uh, on Amazon and at triumphbooks.com. Thank you again. Thank you very much, Greg. Take care.